Okay, so last week, Kotho preached um, the latest in our series of I Am Statements. We've been looking at seven signs back at the um, kind of autumn, winter of last year, and then at the end of last year, we moved on to seven sayings in John's gospel, and we've been carrying those seven sayings on into this new year, Uh, and I think this is saying number six, and we've got one more to go, and we'll have made it, seven signs and seven sayings. And all of these signs and all of these sayings have been pointing us towards who Jesus really is. And the recurring theme that we've seen is that Jesus is life, and Jesus is truth. He's the truth about the way life is supposed to be. He exemplifies, he personifies in himself God's truth of this amazing kingdom that he's establishing in the world and that he longs for us to be a part of. And that true life, life as it was created and designed to be, is found as part of that kingdom. And so Kotho preached to us last week that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Something that Jesus said when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the Pharisees began to plot to kill Jesus. And it became dangerous for Jesus to move about in public. And six days before the Passover, Jesus returns to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus, who is raised from the dead, and Mary and Martha, Lazarus's two sisters. Martha served while Lazarus sat at the table with Jesus, but Mary took an open jar of expensive perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, she's done this to prepare me for my burial. The next day, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the people shouted, Hosanna, and they waved their palm branches But surely some of these people were the very same people who just a few days later would be shouting, crucify him. Jesus, by now, is talking openly about the fact that he is going to die. He is the good shepherd who will willingly lay down his life for his sheep. Then as they prepare for the Passover together, the high point of the Jewish calendar where they remember God's amazing deliverance, his rescue of his people from slavery in Egypt. As they prepare for that Passover, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He's this amazing king of a glorious kingdom, and yet as he has revealed to us, he is a shepherd king, a humble lowly king who is prepared to take a towel and get down in the dirt and wash the muck from the feet of his disciples. And Jesus, in that moment, predicts that Judas will betray him, and Judas hurries out into the night. And once again, Jesus begins to talk with his disciples about his death. And that brings us to John chapter 14 where we're going to read together. John chapter 14. And we'll read verses 1 to 14. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Amen. During my time in Christian ministry, in fact, Abby's already referred to it this morning, I've had the privilege of traveling to lots of different places um, around the world. And um, I've met lots of wonderful friends, um, brothers and sisters in Christ, serving God and, and doing an amazing job um, testifying to Jesus all over the world. And um, one of the consistent things about um, when you get that privilege of traveling is just how often people are so kind and gracious in the hospitality that they offer you, in the welcome that they give you, the, the sense that they um, create, that they're genuinely pleased that you've come, that you're there, and they welcome you. And one of the things that they will do um, is prepare a place for you to stay. They will pre prepare accommodation for you. And it's, it's the same when we welcome people into our homes, isn't it? That um, when someone is coming, we like to prepare a place for them. We don't just kind of like leave it to chance or hopefully we don't. Um, but we, we take some time and we, and we prepare things for them. And so I think recently when I was on sabbatical, I went to see my friend Ashish in, in India and he prepared a room for me. Um, he, hadn't just, he didn't just kind of leave me to arrive at the airport and say, well, just find yourself a taxi and find yourself somewhere to stay. Um, he was there to pick me up. He took me to his home. He prepared a room for me. There were drinks and snacks and clean towels and fresh bedding. And he prepared a place for me to come and stay with him. And really... Um, I guess that's normal, isn't it, really? I mean, that's what we all do. We, we, we hopefully um, want to show hospitality when people come to stay. I know there might be some people that you really wish wouldn't come to stay, but we'll just gloss over that um, for a moment. 
This is what we do. It's normal. It's what brothers and sisters do for one another. But what is not normal? What is truly remarkable is that God would do that for you and me. It's normal that we would prepare a room for a visitor who is coming. It's normal that we would get excited and and think about how we can make their stay more pleasant, make them more comfortable. But think about it for a moment. God, the ruler and sustainer of all things, the mighty, omnipotent God, who at the end of the day has no need of us, yet he would get excited about spending time with you. And he would prepare a place for you. It's truly amazing that God, the ruler of the universe, should care about being with you and me personally. But that is what he reveals to us in Jesus. Consider what Jesus prayed the night before his crucifixion in John 17 and verse 24. Father... I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Father, I want Kofo to be with me. Father, I want Doris to be with me. And each one we could go around this room. Father, I want Tristan to be with me. Father, I want Anna to be with me. Put your name in there. Father, Jesus prays. Jesus prays. On the, just before he's crucified and gives his life for the world. And he prays about you and he prays about me. And he says, I want them to be with me. When you prepare a place to stay for a visitor. You anticipate their coming. You look forward to their arrival, especially if they are someone you love. (laughs) The God who loves you is anticipating your arrival. The God who loves you is excited about your arrival. He has called you to himself so that he can spend eternity with you. So Jesus has gone to make things ready. He's gone on ahead to make things ready. He wants you to be with him in eternity, so he is preparing a place for you. And when you look around at this room this morning, you see, well, there's quite a lot of people here. And then you think about all the thousands and millions of believers all over this world worshiping Jesus. Do not be alarmed, for our Father's house has many rooms. There is enough space for all of his children. So Jesus has warned the disciples that he'll be leaving them. But he has reassured them that he will be back. He will prepare a place for them. And then he will come and get them to take them to be with him where he is. And he says, you already know the way to where I'm going. But then Thomas speaks up. And I love Thomas because he's so real. He doesn't pretend that he understands when he doesn't. We can be real with Jesus. We can be real in our relationship with God. We don't have to pretend that we understand when we don't. Let's be honest. There's lots about following Jesus. There's lots about our faith. There's lots when we read the scriptures. There's lots that we don't understand. But we can be real. 
Thomas says, I don't even know where you're going, let alone the way for how to get there. Jesus replies, I am the way and the truth and the life. We think about all the different things that Jesus has been saying about himself. He is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the gate for the sheep. He's the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He's saying, I am truth and I am life. And I'm the way to the truth and the life. Again and again, Jesus has been telling us. He's sent by God to bring us his life. To lead us into his truth. And that's what all these signs that he was performing have been about. So now he makes it so clear. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to enjoy the eternal life of God's kingdom, then I am the only way. And this is a controversial claim. Many people object to this statement. It's what makes our faith offensive to some. They say that all religions lead to the same God with a different name, but that is not what Jesus says. If we didn't know Jesus, we might think that he is making an incredibly arrogant statement in this moment. But Jesus has already shown us again and again that he is the humble shepherd king. It is not arrogance, but it is truth. Remember, Jesus is not a guru claiming to know a way to get to God. Jesus is God himself. Come to us in the person of his own son, a man, a human being. Philip asks, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus replies, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. If you're looking at me, Jesus says, you are looking at God. This is so important for us to understand because Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. If you think you understand anything about God, but it contradicts the person of Jesus, then you are mistaken in what you think you know. Let me say that again. If you think you know anything about God, but it contradicts the person of Jesus, then you are mistaken in what you think you know about God. If you think you've discovered something about God from the Old Testament or from the New Testament epistles, ask yourself, is it consistent with the person of Jesus as revealed to us in the Gospels? Because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. If something is not true of Jesus, then it can't be true of God. Because if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. And of course, this means that no other religion or faith can show us the way to be with God in eternity. Now, this shouldn't make us feel superior to people of other faiths. This should make us want to share the good news 
about Jesus. Most people who follow a religion are not doing it because they thought, let me see how wicked and evil I can be. I know I'll follow a different religion. These are good people trying to find their way to God. These are people who are motivated to try to find their way to God. But we know the way. And here's Jesus. Imagine someone's gone on a journey and um, they've got lost. They're hungry and they're afraid and they are looking for somewhere to stay. And they have heard that there is this wonderful father who has a house with many rooms. Somebody told them that they would be safe there, but they don't know the way, so they keep trying to find different ways to get to that house. You notice they're trying all different kinds of paths, different routes to find their way to the house with many rooms. Now imagine you know the only way to get to that house, but you just keep quiet. You watch them trying all these different routes, and you know none of them lead to the house, but you just watch and you say nothing. We must not keep quiet about who Jesus is. This is the reality. This is the reality that sometimes we sit, you and I, sit back and watch people desperately looking for the way. And we know they're going the wrong way. And yet we keep quiet and we watch. Of course, many people in modern Britain aren't even looking. They don't know there is a house. They don't know there is a father. They don't know that there is a beautiful kingdom with an awesome king. We must not keep quiet about who Jesus is. If you are here today and you've never had an encounter with Jesus, you've never given your life to following him, I want to tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is the way that you can have a relationship with the God who made you. Jesus is the way that you can be reconciled, brought back into close and intimate relationship who has always longed to be that for you. The perfect father who will never leave you or forsake you, who will never let you down, who will be never be less than he has promised you that he will be, who will always be good towards you, who will always lead you towards the greater good and the greater truth who will always be there for you, who you can utterly depend upon, in whom there is no falsehood whatsoever. Jesus is the way that you can have a relationship with that Father, that God who made you, who made you to be a part of his plan, to fill the world with all that is good and amazing and true about him, with compassion and grace and justice and righteousness, that you can be part of a better future for this world. That you can be at one with people around you and with the God who made you. Jesus is the way that you can know that because he gave his life on a cross for you. That's what we've been singing about this morning. People looked at him and they rejected him and they despised him and they put him on a cross. And they thought that they were getting rid of him but truly he was taking on himself all our rejection of God. He was taking on himself in that moment all the times that you and I fail, all the times that we fall short of the kind of people that God created us to be. 
He was taking our rejection of God, our, our, our enmity towards God. And he took it upon himself on that cross. And he died in our place so that we could go free. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could be brought into right relationship with God. And be part of the amazing truth and life that Jesus tells us all about in the Gospels. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could be right with God and spend eternity with him. So that he could prepare a place for us. That no matter how weary we get as we wander our way through this life in this world. We know that he is preparing a place for us in eternity. This is the truth. If you're here this morning and you want to be part of that and you've never made that decision, I invite you in this moment, in the stillness of this moment, perhaps we could all just bow our heads in prayer. If that's you, if you've never made that decision, or perhaps you, you think you might have and you're not sure and you're not sure if you've drifted away or perhaps you need to just recommit in this moment, but... If that's you, for the first time or, or realizing that you need to come back in this moment, tell him that you are sorry. You don't have to say it out loud. He hears you in your heart. Tell him that you are sorry. Tell him you're sorry for living your life without him. Ask him to forgive you. Put your hope and your trust in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And make a decision right now that you will follow Jesus for the rest of your life. Because in doing that, in this moment, even as you do that, you can cross over from death to life. You can be part of God's amazing future. You can know that Jesus prepares a place for you. And if you've done that, if you've prayed in this moment, then I want to challenge you. At the end of this meeting, tell someone. At the end of this meeting, tell someone. Come and tell us down at the front if you don't know who else to tell. But tell someone so that we can pray with you and so that we can help you to begin a life of following Jesus. For those of us that know Jesus, for those of us that know Jesus, there's a challenge for us here in what Jesus has to say. He says, I'm the only way. Will we just keep sitting idly, idly by watching people going the wrong way or not even looking? Will we just see them lost and broken and without hope? How easily do you and I go through a day without it troubling us that people around us are lost? How easy do we just carry on with life consumed by the troubles and concerns and cares of this world without being bothered that there are people all around us. You only have to walk out of this building today and they will be all around you. People who do not know the way to be with the Father. It's time for us to be moved by the things that move God's heart. It's time for us to be troubled by this reality. It's time for some of us to repent and ask God's forgiveness that it didn't break our heart in the way that it breaks his heart. My brothers and sisters, we cannot keep quiet. So Jesus explains 
to the disciples that he is in the Father and that the Father is in him. And he says that if they don't believe what he's saying, they can look at the evidence from the signs he's been performing. Which brings us back to the importance of signs and miracles. Signs and miracles are all about showing the truth of who Jesus is. That he is sent by God to rescue us, to deliver us, to bring us back into relationship with God. Because it is by believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one sent by God, that people can enter into the life of his perfect kingdom. So we need people to believe in who Jesus is. We need your neighbors and your friends, the people you live with, the people you do life with. We need your colleagues and we need your family members to believe that Jesus is sent by God because that is the hope of their salvation. Which is why you too are called to do the works of God in Jesus' name. That's why Jesus says, in the context of this passage in John 14, verses 12 to 14, we so often quote these verses out of context. But in the context of telling them, I'm the only way, he says this to them in John 14, 12 to 14. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In the context of saying, I'm the only way to the Father. People need to come to the Father through me. I'm the only way by which people can be saved. There is one name under heaven by which men can be saved. It is Jesus. We need people to put their hope and trust in Jesus so that they can be part of his beautiful future in eternity. And so Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, but I'll pour out my spirit on you. And so in John 20 and verses 21 and 22, Jesus says that the same way that he is sent by the Father into the world, he is sending us into the world. And with that, he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us just so that we can wobble and sway in our meetings. And so that someone can bring an encouraging word. I'm not belittling that. I love the manifestations of the Spirit in our meetings. But the Spirit comes upon us, the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, so that we can be a witness to who Jesus is. So that our lives can sing forth boldly to everyone around us. Jesus is real. He is real, he is truth, and he is life, and he is the way to the Father. Jesus is real, and he's the way to relationship with God that will bring you safely into eternity with him. We need the Holy Spirit to be moving in our midst. We need to be troubled when we see a lack of manifestation. We need to be troubled when we see a lack of people coming to Jesus and giving their lives to him. We can't be satisfied as a church community just to keep on singing our songs and going through the motions. We need to be troubled. It needs to move our hearts. It needs to stir us. It needs to move us to the place of prayer where we say, Lord, don't let us be unfruitful. 
Lord, don't pass us by. We know that you'll have your way in your church, but don't leave us out. Don't let us miss what you want to do in this world. Come and fill us, Lord. Make us your disciples. Make us your representatives. Lord, we're scared and we're afraid and we get nervous and we get tongue-tied. But Lord, we're believing you for more than that. We're believing that you could pour out your spirit on us and make us your witnesses. For in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. This is how people are going to know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and me. And we get past our timidity. And we get past our fear. And we boldly stand up and we say, Jesus is alive. Jesus is real. Jesus has changed my life. Jesus can do miracles in your life. Let me pray for you. Let me stand alongside you. Let me get involved in areas of social justice. Whatever it is, whatever way God leads us to put his goodness and his glory on display. But my friends, we cannot sit silently and watch a lost and broken world headed towards an eternity without God. He's the only way. He's the only way. And he calls every single one of us in this room to be witnesses to that truth. I'm going to invite the worship team to come and I'm going to pray for us. Lord, in this moment, we do want to Ask your forgiveness for when it just hasn't seemed important enough to us. For when it hasn't gripped our hearts. Holy Spirit, we know it's more than just this moment, but would you begin a work in us where you begin to break our hearts for the things that break yours? Where we can no longer be satisfied we can no longer be satisfied just to make it through the day when people are searching all around us or even possibly unaware, completely lost but not even knowing it. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. We can't manufacture it, Lord God. We can't fake it, but we're asking you to come and do something in us by your Spirit. Give us a revelation of your truth. Jesus, you are the way and the truth and the life. We don't come here Sunday to Sunday just because it makes us feel better. We come here because we believe that your gospel is true. We believe your gospel is what saves us. We believe that your death on the cross, Lord Jesus, is what saves us from an eternity without you. We believe it's because you gave your life, you broke your body and you shed your blood for each and every one of us, Lord God. We believe that's why we know that we are saved. We're saved from a life without you and we're saved to an eternity with you.
We want to thank you. We want to celebrate that truth. And we want that truth to become such a revelation of your spirit in our hearts that we live our whole lives for that truth. As witnesses to you and your gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen.